This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We are definitely talking about looking fly, looking young. You know, just bringing your A game. I mean, do you know when you look at a woman like Angela Bassett, you know Angela Bassett, you know she's 60 or 61. She looks amazing. She looks like she's in her mid-40s. And I think a lot of it is, you know, yeah, it's diet, it's exercise, it's attitude. But listen, it's anti-aging treatments as well at uh Aesthetic and wholeness centers, at the whole, uh, whole, uh, holistic wellness centers. And so we are asking Dr. Reza Mia, who's the founder of Anti Aging Art, to talk to us about what women and men can do. I think, firstly, we must get rid of this idea that it's women who must try to drink from the fountain of youth, men must make an effort as well. And so I want to know from you, you know, with this proliferation of aesthetic clinics that we're just seeing everywhere, um, what is this telling us about um, a new generation, I guess, of citizen in the country? Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's very nice to be here. Great view. (laughs) So, I mean, we're actually not far from here. We're like a block away. So uh, we're happy to, to be here. So the thing with aesthetics is, you know, when I started, it's like you say, there were mainly women doing this. 90% of the patients were women. And over time, that changed to about 40% men. And so that's quite exciting. It shows that men are looking after themselves. I think what's changed over the years is that the stigma has disappeared almost when it comes to things like aesthetic medicine, botulinum toxin, fillers. And it's not just for women. It's for women and men. And so... We like this, and obviously that means it's more popular, more people want to have it done, and more people are providing the service, and that's why we're seeing more uh, aesthetic clinics coming up. But the most important thing uh, is for patients to make sure that they select their provider very carefully, and I can give some tips on that just now if you like. Okay, yeah, and as you're saying, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, there's that series, isn't there, on, um, what channel was it on? Uh, TLC, I think it is, botched, where people have had jobs done, okay, full surgery, but also non-invasive surgery, and it's gone very, very wrong. So how do you know you're dealing with a certified uh, clinician who can treat you, you're at the right place? So I think it's important for people to do some homework. Before they go to a doctor, they need to look at their website, look at their social media, but not to only look at social media. You know, it's too easy for somebody to Photoshop pictures or even we've had people take our own before and afters and post it on their page and say, oh, come to our clinic here in four ways or whatever, and you can have these results, but it's our patients. And it's important for people to be very careful of that. So word of mouth is still the best way. It's the most uh, important way because... I think when someone talks to you about the aesthetics that they've had and you can look at them and you can see that they have a nice, good-looking, healthy, youthful, attractive face Mm. without looking like it's done, then you're able to actually rely on what they're saying and you can go to the the doctor that's been seeing them. Let's talk about uh, what we mean when we say aesthetic medicine because I've often made the mistake of confusing an aesthetic doctor with a plastic surgeon. 
Yes, so very different. So plastic surgeons are primarily involved with surgical alterations, the more invasive work. We still refer to plastic surgeons if we see a patient where we feel like, you know, what you're asking for can't really be achieved by the minimally or non-invasive treatments, then we'll send them to a surgeon. But, you know, in terms of de-risking an approach to patients, so how do we reduce the risk of a patient suffering side effects, spending money that they don't need to spend? Mm. It's to keep them uh, away from surgery until they really need surgery or only if they need surgery. So the side effects are much lower when it comes to non-invasive because you're dealing with little needles. It's not zero side effects. You can potentially hurt patients. You can burn them. You can uh, inject into the arteries. You can cause, uh, apart from the obvious unsightly results problem, you can cause real damage to a patient. And so that's why it's important that, uh, you know, we have a motto called art meets science. Mm -hmm. And we often talk about the art side because we need people to understand that you need an artistic ability to make somebody pretty Mm. or prettier. And if you don't know what that is, you won't be able to achieve that. Mm. You know, stuffing a bunch of filler in someone's face is not the right way to get them to look attractive. Mm. In fact, I think there's a new stigma coming up for aesthetic medicine, and it's primarily caused by the inappropriate use of filler, where people are just simply getting into it for the wrong reasons. They would start doing it because, well, I'm... You know, it's a side job for them and they'll yeah. inject tons of filler into someone's face for making money. And then you end up with people with the giant lips and giant faces and <laughs> that scares people away from yeah. aesthetics. Okay, we're going to talk about different uh, treatments that are um, that are on offer here, what we're really talking about. But I just want to go back to the distinction between invasive and non-invasive. So when somebody gets a boob job mm. or what they call a bum lift, that means they would have had to go onto mm. the surgical mm. table. They would have had to be cut up, liposuction. Yes, and that's the invasion of it, the invasive side of it. So minimally invasive, it's the injectables, botulinum toxins, uh, dermal fillers, microneedling, uh, microinjecting platelet-rich plasma where we draw the blood and use it to stimulate hair right. growth and face work. Uh, you know, okay. in machines like in Endymed is our latest one, so we're very excited about it. Laser. Uh, I mean, it's these, these are all of the things that we use to achieve okay. that result. So, so if I had to be very simplistic, I'd say going to like a salon, day clinic versus going into hospital, these are the two different things. If I can come to you today and still go home myself, mm. aesthetic clinic. Yes. If I'm coming so, out with bandages, plastic surgery, invasive. Yes, exactly. That's, that's an easy way to put it. Okay. And so this is the softer side. This is like beauty salon 2.0. This is not where mm. you go just to get a facial, but this is where the facial is something, something, something extra. Well, I think it fills the gap between surgery and beauty salon. So facials, okay. laser hair removal, uh, skincare products, that okay. would be on the one side of it surgery on the other side and we come in the middle and it absorbs a lot of that requirement and you know it's not to say that everybody who comes to us to stop the facial sagging by using toxins Mm. would have had a facelift in the past Mm. they would more likely have just lived with it you know or left it Mm. and some of those people would have gone for surgery but with little injections we're able to keep people from sagging completely small little injections in the neck and in the jowls and it's very exciting because it's easy to keep somebody's face Sorry. there. I think you heard me getting excited there because I'm like, ah, are these my cheeks? Have they dropped? <laughs> you know, that's the natural <laughs> process, but we're able to help to help. That. And that's the exciting thing. It's, 
you know, you couldn't even fix some of the things that we work on using surgery. Right. So let's say the problem was you were losing or diminishing your skin density and losing collagen and elastin, which yeah. is also a natural progress or natural process. Yeah. Going to have a facelift would result in a tight skin fitted over your bones. You wouldn't have more density. So we use things like redermalization, platelet-rich plasma, uh, the machines we spoke about just now, and we create more collagen, more elastin, more density, and that's what gives people that healthy, youthful look okay. that you see on the red carpet. It's not an abundance of filler in their face. All right. So let's talk about the things you're talking about. You've mentioned filler many, many times. What is a filler? Because, in fact, no. Let's start with what is Botox? Okay, so that's a brand of botulinum toxin. We're not allowed to use the brand names. We have to say botulinum toxin. So what that is, it's... So what is the process? It's an element of the botulinum toxin toxin from the bacteria. And it's been cleaved and it's been processed and it's been prepared so that we can safely use it to relax muscle that are causing unwanted effects. So when it comes to the sagging, it's these muscles at your lower face that are causing your face to fall down. Mm -hmm. And... There's another muscle like this in your frown. You know, some people frown this way and they get a nice, neat little line. Mm -hmm. But you don't and I don't. Many people don't. Mm -hmm. What happens is the frown pushes your eyebrows down into your eyelids and progressively results in a sagging of your forehead. So it's another area that we like to preventatively inject so that we can keep the face up. And Isn't frowning just a natural Physical expression of sadness, anger, frustration, confusion. Do those sound like emotions you want to be expressing? On this radio station every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what, what I love about aesthetics also, apart from the art and the science, it's the psychology behind it. Now, what they did was they did a study using botulinum toxin and they said, well, what happens when you have this in your body? Regardless of where you inject it, they showed an elevated mood in patients. But when it came to the frown, it was even more important because when they looked in the mirror, you will get a feedback mechanism. When you look in the mirror, if you see a frown, your brain will decide, well, I'm frowning because I'm angry, even when you're not. Yeah. And your mood will depress. When you take that away, the same thing happens again. Your brain knows that that is a mirror image of you and you start to feel better. So we apply the same thing to the under eye circles that make you look tired or the sagging mouth that makes you look sad. And we want to get rid of those emotions. Okay, so I'm going to rebut almost everything because uh, it's in my nature. I'm going to need Botox <laughs> to stop frowning. Dark circles. We were told, you know what, get some sleep and put a cucumber over your eye or a tea bag. So certainly those things could help with the puffiness. But when you've got an indentation under your eye, which is something genetic, you know, everybody has it west and south of Turkey. Yeah. It's genetic. Everybody has it. And what we do is we fill that gap. The first thing is we take away the shadow. You know, it's as silly as this. Mm. That looks lighter than that because it's a shadow. Right. No. And, and, and what you've done is you've cupped your hand just to show me how light comes through just the cupping of your yes, hand. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so when you open that up, you create the lightness again so you haven't changed the skin color you simply push the skin forward and it changes the appearance of the dark circle but when we have to work on the actual skin thickness and color we can do that using creams chemical peels uh, other types of injectables right. and it really makes a big difference because we find using something like 0 0.0 or 0 0.1 mils of filler on somebody's nose has the same effect of using one or two milliliters on the outside of the face. Right. 
So we've been able to, over time, figure out a way to give patients the most value for the amount of filler that they're getting right. injected into their face. Okay, so when you say filler, I know you don't want to use the word Botox, but that's all I know. You are using a, a, a product and a technology that's just removing some of the frown lines, extra creases on the face, Wait. and there's different ba- brands. I'll go back to that. So the, the botulinum toxin is to relax muscle. Then relax filler muscle. is to occupy space and create volume. So where we would use that on the nose, cheekbones, lips, under eyes, uh, nasolabial I folds. Okay. That's the filler. Okay. Uh, so so for people who've got creases and frowns, that's the botulinum toxin, a.k.a. Botox, to relax the muscle. But if you just look like your skin is needing a little bit of a boost, the filler. No. So if you've got an indentation or something that needs to be corrected, then there's many different ranges of filler that we use. There's about nine in the range that we use. And the difference comes in how it integrates into the skin, how big the molecules are, how thick they are, and how they stick to each other. And that determines what we use where in your face so that we can produce a natural result. Because remember, you don't want to look like you're trying. You want to look like... You are good looking. I I just want to say, just in case people come to your clinic, they must know what they're asking for, and I'm sure you'll give them the proper advice. But but what are we talking about? Here's here's Owen. Look at his skin; it's quite taut. He's a slight uh, man, so his skin, you know, he's thin, so his skin looks a bit tight. So where would the filler be on his face? So if he wanted to have some filler done, I would probably use it under his eyes and next to his nose, and it's not to make him you know, look like somebody else. It's just to correct minor imbalances so that when someone looks at him, they don't see the circle. They see his face holistically. So it looks and like he's got more more on the skin. It just looks like there's no indentation under the eye. Okay. A little bit plump. N- less than that. So we, I, imagine there's a little gap under the skin between the cheek and the eyeball. Yeah, we fill that take, gap. Uh-huh. And we go slowly so that we don't fill too much and he doesn't look puffy. Because like I say, it looks worse that you're trying. You rather yeah. look older. Okay, I'm getting it. So what are collagen treatments then? Because I thought collagen treatments were supposed to make your skin look plump and alive. So many years ago, <laughs> collagen was the dominant form of filler. But it came with a lot of allergic reaction uh, potential. What we use now is hyaluronic acid derived from bacteria. But I can buy that at Clicks, most hyaluronic acid. Well, I'll get to that. That's a separate <laughs> question. But, you know, okay, so a hyaluronic acid molecule is too big to pass through your skin. You can't okay. absorb it from applying it. That's why we have to inject it. Now, when no we inject way. it... I have one of those in a little bottle at home. <laughs> have I been sold a dad? I think that with the rise of the popularity of aesthetic medicine and words like hyaluronic acid, the marketing companies at the cream companies also believe that they should jump on that and they use that. But a hyaluronic acid molecule is too big to pass through the skin. I feel so upset now. Okay, go ahead. So we inject that into the skin and that stimulates your own collagen and that's how we get your skin to be more uh, plump and look more healthy and holistically youthful. The treatments that I really like are the ones like redermalization, platelet-rich plasma, the things to work on your skin texture and tissue quality, because that's what we can do to make you still retain your unique features, but look healthy and happy and youthful. 
So I'll admit to something I have done, which is micro needling. Okay, good. Um, twice. Very painful, but almost immediately, people were reacting to me. My my complexion almost looked like it had come alive. My skin just came alive. Mm. Nice. So microneedling, we like microneedling. We use it with our platelets. We use it with other ingredients as well. What you would have had immediately was a small amount of inflammation. Mm -hmm. And now this is dispersed throughout your whole face. Mm -hmm. And so it also gives you a tautness in your skin. And that's what the people would have seen. Now that would fade over about two weeks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes patients will feel like, well, that didn't last long. Mm -hmm. But that was simply the inflammation. The actual uh, stimulation of the collagen will then continue over a period of three months. And, and that's so, when you'll get so your final result. And so you're puncturing the skin to stimulate the collagen. Yes. So and that, that reg those regenerative cells come back alive. And so that we can get active ingredients into the skin. Remember, your skin is a very effective barrier. Normally, when you put cream on your face, about 4% of the active ingredients get into where they're supposed to get. Mm. When we do things like a chemical peel or microneedling, we open up those defense layers and now you can suddenly get in much deeper penetrate into the skin it's painful though it doesn't have to be okay. you know you shouldn't go more than a millimeter really unless you're treating something deep like scars mm. to access the dermis and to get those actives in a millimeter is deep enough so it shouldn't be sore okay well it is for me but i keep going back so the, the joke's on me i've seen many people uh, going, let me not say many people, but many so-called A-list celebrities in South Africa, going for glutathione. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yes. This skin lightening injection. What is that? So glutathione is a very effective antioxidant. We use it in our IV infusions as an antioxidant. We don't use it with the goal of skin lightening. And I think that it's something that can become very dangerous because when you use it in those high quantities, it, it can become dangerous. And it's not understood, it's not researched enough to uh, use it responsibly as a skin lightener. So, you know, in looking at the psychology of aesthetics, we realize that it's not the overall skin color that determines the attractiveness of the patient. It's the evenness of the skin tone. So what we need to do is to get rid of pigmentation marks, uneven skin tone, that type right. of thing. It's not to change them into a different race. You know? And I'd like yeah. people to get away from trying to do that because you can only hurt yourself when you do that. Okay, so what is the correct, shall we say that, usage of these injections? So people who come mm. say, oh, I've got these pigment marks, I've just had a baby, you know, because you do get a lot of that kind of pigmentation uh, exposure, and I just like to even out my complexion. They can use the injections. They could use it as one of the ways of of combating it, and it wouldn't be the primary method. We would have to work in a destructive way on those cells. So we work from the outside using things like peels, creams, uh, micro-needling, yeah. micro-injecting and redermalization. But it's important for people to realize that it is a process. It won't be a once-off. It won't be uh, like a magical trick to right. change it. They have to just work with it because their skin is all the time making new pigmentation anyway. Pigment that we destroy is gone forever, but you're still laying down new pigment in response to sun that happens now. Mm -hmm. And even historical sun exposure sometimes takes a long time to show up the damage in the skin. Do people also come for weight loss treatments? Yes, yes, we do. You know, we focus on body sculpting when it comes to things like 
small pockets of fat that are resistant to diet and exercise. But the only way you'll know that is if you diet and exercise. So for the countless benefits of being in a healthy position, we want people to eat properly. We want them to gym. We want them to be fully uh, exploring that side of their life. You know, it's good for everything. And from there, we can work and we can isolate areas and we can treat those with injectables or freezing to reduce the stubborn pockets of fat. Okay, so like a little bit of a beer bop or a wine bop or something like that. Yes. If you're still exercising. But we don't, we don't want someone to show up and say, well, I need to lose 50 kilos. Can you freeze this? Yeah. You know, it will be a, a tremendous waste of money. They won't see satisfaction because if you're injecting and one mil gets rid of one mil of fat, you know, you can't inject five liters. Okay. You, we've got a question, interestingly, from a gentleman. Hello, Hamlet. Hi, 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 Lavato and your guest. A very interesting topic. I mean, I know that it comes with age. I'm 47. Um, my skin, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly light-skinned guy, but, you know, like on the cheek, you know, so I develop these uh, black spots and uh, they're, they're getting quite bigger. I use some facial products, but the skin is uneven. That's number one. And number two, there's permanent frowns on my forehead. I'm definitely interested in dealing with the two. And what could we, in the duration, you know, would, would, it can be a procedure that can take a week or it's an over an extended period of time. Well, thanks a lot for your question. So, you know, the frown is the one we would probably use botulinum toxin for. And that usually lasts you about three to six months. The pigmentation marks, once we treat them, that uh, result tends to stick around for many years until you possibly bring it back with more sun. What I do notice with men is that the pigmentation is not as stubborn as with women. And obviously the estrogen is what determines that. And so definitely just by looking at you and working on you a few times, we're able to gauge how responsive your skin is to the various treatments. And then we can tailor exactly what you need uh, for you. You know, I like to say no two patients are the same. We think of each of them as a unique masterpiece. Yeah. Okay, people are so cheeky. Somebody's like Lorato. Whatever you do, don't get a BBL because you've already got one. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> okay, and Botox or whatever botulinum toxins is what we're talking about. How cheap are aesthetic treatments? So you know, sometimes people get the wrong idea. Do you remember when you were looking at Auto Trader, looking for your first car, and the best cars you always saw had POA, mm-hmm. and so you thought, well, that means it's expensive. Yes. Now, because of the HPCSA, we're not allowed to advertise prices. And so in any of our posts or wherever we go, whatever articles, we don't write down actual costs. And so, again, it gives people the idea that it's expensive and possibly out of reach. But the average patient, uh, I can tell you what they spend at us is 3,600 Rand on a visit. And so that's the average. And so when you go to the shops and you buy skincare products, you could possibly spend double that. And again, like we say, using a needle to get active ingredients into your skin is a lot more reliable than trying to squeeze it through your pores. And then finally, as we say goodbye, you know, a lot of these things were things we used to watch on TV. It's like what women in LA do. Now it seems like this is what women in South Africa do. Uh, What are the trends you're seeing? So definitely uh, 
South Africa is a, is ahead of the game when it comes to aesthetic medicine globally. And a lot of new techniques do come from here. And we then end up going overseas to teach them. And so people should be quite excited to be here in our country. We are, we are very excited to be here in our country. And again, what we've seen is as people learn more about aesthetics, they are starting to be more discriminating about what they allow to happen to their faces. And the natural look, thank goodness, is becoming more and more attractive. It's just to understand that you, you're coming to look beautiful, not to look done. Okay, Dr. Rezamir uh, coming to us from um, The Art of Beauty. Is that what it's called? No. Anti-aging art. Anti-aging art. Okay, sorry, I just lost that note for myself. So, in Houghton. Anti-aging art in Houghton Medical Aesthetic and Holistic Wellness Center. I guess we'll be seeing uh, Hamlet there. Time for the news. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.